0: The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. So as Maureen mentioned, this is the fourth and last talk in a series of talks that I'm doing on connection. The first talk was about the importance of relationships, just in our spiritual path and relationships in general. The second was about the practice of listening and speaking as a way to form connections and cultivate and develop and maintain our connections. Last week was about being connected to ourselves through mindfulness of the body, just feeling embodied, being present, and how that actually, our being connected to ourselves really supports being connected to others. And tonight, I want to kind of continue this theme about being connected to ourselves, this idea of befriending ourselves. And I'll also include about how that, is, of course, supports our being connected to others. So, connecting to and making friends with ourselves is so important. Maybe you don't need me to say that. Or maybe you think like, why is that even an issue? Of course I'm friends with myself. But there are so many ways in which we're not so friendly to ourselves. Many of us believe that self-criticism is an appropriate strategy for success or for doing, you know, doing anything maybe. This idea that beating up on ourselves for whether it's big things we've done or small things that we've done, this idea that that's a good idea, it comes at a price. Self-criticism comes at a very big price, actually, that we don't even quite notice it contributes to a sense of anxiety, this anxiousness. And it kind of helps us or promotes this dissatisfaction with our life. Oh, this isn't right, and that everything isn't right, and I'm not right, and, right. When you kind of have this feeling that everything isn't quite right, starting with yourself, it's hard to find satisfaction. Which, of course, makes it easier to find the things that aren't right. And and to criticize ourselves that things aren't right, and that's because I'm not doing it right, or something. And of course this can also kind of lead to a depression or a sense of, you know, lack of engagement with the world, lack of connection to others, and connection to our lives. We may have this uh, belief, it may just be in the back of our mind, it may not be in the front of our mind, but of course I'm self-critical. How else am I going to be motivated? If I weren't self-critical, I would just be hanging out at home eating bonbons all day. Whatever bonbons are, I'm not quite sure, but I like that expression. (laughs) I think they're chocolate. I think they're chocolate. So we have this idea that being critical, like, beating up on ourselves, calling ourselves names. For me sometimes, I'm not even aware that I'm doing this, but if I'm like at home puttering around and doing things, I sometimes find myself saying out loud, Diana, you know, something like that. (laughs) It's a little bit of, you know, this like, what are you doing kind of uh, thing that's happening. So this idea that having been self-critical, we may think that it's a way to motivate ourselves, so in that way it's a kind of a convoluted way of self-care. We're trying to help ourselves do things that we think will benefit us or support us. But it's actually painful, if it is painful to be honest with ourselves about our shortcomings, the mistakes, Because we are human, we do have shortcomings, and we do make mistakes. If it's painful to be honest with ourselves about that, because we're going to beat ourselves up, then there's a type of way that maybe our subconscious or the back of our mind, I should say, tries to not have us own up to these things. So then what do we do? we often blame. We blame other people, we blame situations, anything except us, right? And this blaming others is another way in which we can kind of disrupt some of these connections with others by not owning, yeah, okay, I'm I'm sorry, I do actually have this tendency to yell when you do that thing. Or just blame... Uh, what's happening in the world or blame everything out there without accepting responsibilities. So this strategy of self-criticism comes at a big cost. In fact, uh, in the psychology world they've done uh, plenty of research to show that actually people who do a lot of self-criticism are less effective. Because... If you know that you're gonna beat yourself up to make mistakes, you're less likely to make changes. You're less likely to try something new. You're less likely to maybe reach out to somebody that you don't know so well. And those people who do make changes, make change, make, take chances and reach out to others are the ones who tend to be more effective Are learning new things and kind of expanding their horizons. So not only self-criticism, but many of us suffer from a kind of low-grade fever of self-doubt. We might notice that um, we feel like we're playing roles during the day, we all have roles, it's appropriate that we pick up a particular role in some situations and another role in other situations. But we might somehow feel like that's all that we do is wearing masks and playing roles and feeling disconnected from ourselves. We might feel that actually we have little value and so it's all we are supposed to do is play these roles, wear these masks. Or deep down we might feel that we're inadequate in some kind of way and so we have to hide behind our roles or get overly identified with our roles and as long as everybody sees that I'm a good parent, a good friend, a good worker a good fill in the blank then they won't see maybe this inadequacy that I'm feeling inside of myself so we often are engaging in this constant effort, this kind of mm, game in some way, (laughs) story making in some way, of trying to convince ourselves and convince everybody else of our adequacy. We try to look the right way, we try to say the right words, we try to do the right things, we try to be with the right people. And because of this feeling maybe of inner poverty, we might have this need for like constant reassurance from what we're doing or from other people or kind of this need for some, lots of positive feedback. I'm a good worker so I must be okay. I have a lot of success in whatever way you want to measure success so I must be worthy maybe I'm even special because I have this success but even it doesn't maybe we've all noticed I know I did I spent you know certainly early years of my life chasing after academic achievements professional attainments achievements maybe you have too and I did, it, it's quite a terrible feeling, for me it was, to realize, wow, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what I've attained, what I've achieved, what I've done, how many letters I have after my name. Turns out it doesn't matter. I still often had like this sense of hollowness inside or this sense of something not quite right. It's kind of what led me to Buddhist practice. I'm happy to say I don't have that feeling anymore. Yeah, I don't have that feeling. So, the journey of connecting with ourselves, befriending ourselves, discovering that that hollowness that we might feel is not permanent, it might not even be there, or it... Somehow it can shift and change and disappear. This journey often is a radical one. This movement towards uh, befriending ourselves may be radical. It's not about just feeling good about ourselves. It's not based on convincing ourselves or convincing everybody else of anything, doesn't rely on acquiring anything. Instead, it relies on a tender dare I say even precious step-by-step process of opening up having a little more spaciousness finding some ease in our lives. This process includes having compassion for ourselves, this opening up process. We'll see things, we'll feel things that are uncomfortable, maybe even downright painful. But different than just increasing our self-esteem, connecting with ourselves and befriending ourselves in a compassionate fashion, does have like include positive emotions, but whereas like self-esteem is about judging ourselves. So I'm a good person, or if things have gone terribly awry, <laughs> we may think I'm a bad person, but it's this idea of kind of like judging ourselves. But I'd like to point to and suggest like this self-compassion and befriending uh, which is a path to greater freedom doesn't involve judgment at all. It's not about whether or not I'm a good person. It's about recognizing that I that we, that all of us sometimes have difficulties sometimes have some pain, have some suffering, and then can we respond to them in a way with kindness, with understanding, with care, with concern, with kind of an opening up, okay, this too, this too I can connect with, I can be with, I can own in some kind of way. So as I mentioned, it can start with meditation practice. With meditation practice, sometimes we start because for some reason we've been inspired or motivated to sit down and remove ourselves from the everyday world. Close our eyes for a period of time. And just be. And in some way kind of this closing our eyes and sitting down, removing ourselves from that experience, that frame of reference, that um, way of being in which there can be so much pressure to constantly prove ourselves, prove ourselves to ourselves, prove ourselves to others. We're trying to like build ourselves up, defend ourselves. But with meditation practice, there's, we don't actually have to impress anybody. Maybe in the beginning, there's a certain amount of wanting to impress ourselves, like, yeah, okay, I can do this. But I think all of us, <laughs> it doesn't take long, you realize, wait, this is not so easy. <laughs> Just trying to be the breath, it sounds so simple, but wow. Our minds have minds of their own, right? We all discover this. But this idea that we can sit down with um, a certain amount of curiosity, inquisitiveness, like, wow, what's really happening? What's going on in there, in the mind? Why is it so difficult to just be with the breath? To kind of connect with our experience in a way that has some openness, as best we can. It's not always easy. But can we take a fresh look at our experience? When we're, if we can find a place in which we don't feel like we have to boost ourselves up or bolster ourselves or impress anybody, just in the privacy of our minds, can we take a fresh look at our experience? What's actually happening? Can we drop the ideas of who we think we should be? And just see what's happening, connect with what's happening. And then perhaps as you've discovered, as we practice, we often uncover layers and layers of ideas about ourselves. Of the journey of uh, befriending ourselves is a little bit of discovering all the different ways in which that we have ideas about ourselves that turn out to maybe only be true in particular situations, and maybe we've adopted them as identities. Um, I know for myself, yeah, I really had this idea that I was a kind person. Now I can say I feel this much more thoroughly, but I definitely thought I was a kind person. And I was so surprised when somebody dear to me said, Why are you so angry? I'm like, I'm not angry. I said that kind of yelling. I'm not angry. <laughs> right? Oh, I had kind of been like disowning this part of myself that it would just flare up under certain conditions. And like, oh, okay, well that was only those certain conditions, I'm not really me. Me, I'm that person that's really kind and thoughtful <laughs> and present. You know, the kind when all the conditions are right. And so for me, definitely this meditation process has started to see those little corners of myself that I was kind of trying to disown or pretend it wasn't there or blaming the situation or blaming somebody else. But... Meditation helped me to see, oh yeah, okay, that's part of my experience too. And then this practice is about opening up. Can we accept? Can we accept that, yes, we have all these myriad of experiences, myriad ways of being in the world, different layers and layers of ourselves? different ideas we have about ourselves, some of them are more true than others. So in this way we may see that not only that we have all these different ideas about ourselves, we may have different ways in which we compartmentalize different aspects of ourselves. This is good, this is bad. This is what I can share with others. This is what I can share with others. I know I don't even want to admit it to myself. So in this way, we kind of like a rejecting, disconnecting from different parts of ourselves and only accepting some of us. And so the kind of the friendship we may have with ourselves in some ways is a little bit feeble. Maybe we are friends with ourselves, accept ourselves, as long as those little parts that we're trying to disconnect aren't f- showing up, or, as long as those conditions are just right. And This practice is about greater freedom, is about owning and connecting all aspects of ourselves. So with meditation practice, we may discover that we've been blind or just not aware of some of the more subtle ways in which we've been suffering. Some of the more subtle ways in which there's been difficulties or pain. Maybe some of the ways that we've um, aren't so subtle that we've been suffering, but we've just been swimming in it and so much we didn't notice it. Like these ideas, this self-criticism, this idea of kind of beating ourselves up. Maybe it's just such a habit of mind, we don't even notice it anymore. So part of this practice of connecting with ourselves and befriending with ourselves certainly involves meditation, kind of settling the mind and starting to see things clearly. See aspects of ourselves and see how we are in different ways, different uh, situations. But also, self compassion can be a way, can be part of this journey of befriending ourselves. It can help us move beyond just accepting. There's, we have to see and maybe accept, but maybe self compassion can also go beyond that to even appreciating. Ourselves. Maybe even loving ourselves, showing ourselves kindness, showing ourselves care. So, Kristen Neff is somebody who teaches about uh, self compassion. She's a Buddhist practitioner and does some inspired by Buddhist teachings, but the way that she teaches about it is not particularly Buddhist. It comes out of her training more as a psychotherapist. So you won't find self-compassion uh, as kind of called out as a unique uh, practice in Buddhist teachings. Buddhist teachings have compassion for everybody, including oneself. There wasn't um, we can think of it this way I don't know if it's true but we can think of it that you know thousands of years ago societies were different definitely much more um, community people lived with their families perhaps while how some families in Asia still do today there was less isolation and maybe there wasn't and less kind of corporate ladders so to speak that needed to be climbed or something So maybe there wasn't a need for kind of calling out self-compassion, I don't know. But I think it can be helpful sometimes to highlight when I talk to people with practice discussions, how their practice is going, either on retreats or um, with meditation, so often I hear this theme of people beating up on themselves. I find it heartbreaking, actually how how many of us have this feeling of inadequacy or things aren't quite right and beating up on ourselves it's instead we don't see how that beauty the grace that we all have maybe I'll say I feel like it's a great blessing of my life to have these practice discussions and maybe to see everybody's beauty, and, and maybe in some small way, my wish is that people can feel and see that the goodness that we have. We're a mixture, we're not only, we're not just bags of mistakes. <laughs> So, self-compassion is taught by Kristin Neff. Kristin Neff. She teaches that it has three components, and the first is mindfulness. I shouldn't say the first one. The component is mindfulness, and this, um, and in these three components, we can think of them as having kind of like a yin component that is a more uh, softer, more kind of like a being element, and then a yang or yang to you, more kind of like an action part of it too. So with mindfulness, it's just to actually see the difficulties that we're having. And then part of mindfulness practice is to do that with as much openness or lack of judgment as best we can. So can we be with the difficulties that we're having? can we see them can we notice them can we hold them can we accept them as best we can sometimes isn't easy then maybe the kind of the your the more yang or yang uh side of that is to see the truth sometimes of what's happening either with ourselves or with others can, to see that truth can be this action of no longer choosing to avoid seeing or in some kind of way no longer um, pretending that it's not there. It's to take this action of like, no, I'm actually going to see this. And Maybe sometimes we don't see or we um, quickly turn away because we don't want to rock the boat. But sometimes the boat needs to be rocked. And this takes some wisdom to know when that's true, and, and uh, when, when is that the best time. So mindfulness has this kind of um, being aspect to see and to accept, turn towards, maybe a young ex- aspect. Sometimes there may be something to do. The second element in Kristin Neff's idea of uh, self-compassion is self-kindness. It turns out we all actually know how to be kind to ourselves. You just imagine, what would you do if somebody that you really cared about, one of your friends, a family member, somebody you loved, cared and respected, was having some difficulties? What would you say to that person? Or what would you do for that person? Can you do that for yourself? When we frame it that way, it's not so complicated, I think. It's amazing, right, what, what we'll do. and You know... I'm willing to like make soup and (laughs) bring it over for uh, somebody who's sick or not feeling well or feeling really out of sorts but for myself, oh no, I'm not going to (laughs) bother. Even though I know just like that act of like making soup is a way of kind of caring for myself and like caring for myself in that way makes me feel better. So what are some of the things that you're willing to do for others but when they're out of sorts but maybe you're not willing to do for yourself? So self-kindness is a way to learn to take care of ourselves, maybe soothe ourselves or comfort ourselves, in a way that we would for others. And sometimes self-kindness can have this action side of it too, in which we do have to fiercely say, no, no, you can't harm me in that way. No, this is not right. So sometimes the kindest things that we can do to ourselves, for ourselves, is to say no. Can be difficult, can be... I'm not saying this is easy. None of these things are necessarily easy. If they were easy, you would be doing them already. So kindness can have this uh, real action, a kind of a fierceness to it as well. And then the third element in Kristin Neff's uh, self-compassion is this idea of recognizing that suffering is part of common humanity. The fact that we're experiencing pain, experiencing difficulties, having suffering, doesn't mean that we are broken. It doesn't mean that something's wrong with us. It doesn't mean that the Uh, everything is terribly wrong it means that we're human all of us have difficulties all of us have pain, all of us have suffering, all of us sometimes feel like things are terribly wrong but sometimes when things, when we are having difficulties we kind of like uh, really close up and withdraw and think that we're the only ones that have this so it might take a little bit of effort to remember, no, all of us, it's part of the human experience. There isn't a single person, not one single person that is exempt from this. And sometimes when we come to meditation centers and we see these people <laughs> sitting quietly with their eyes closed, they're not moving, they're like, oh, okay, they got it. They're, you know, they're clearly, there. it's a piece of cake for them, but right, that's not the case. So many of us, even though we can sit quietly, sometimes in our minds there's the little things that are having some difficulties or... So we're not alone in difficulties. We don't have to feel like a certain amount of shame or when difficulties arise. Maybe we can connect with others that are having this too. So this connection with others, this common humanity, is more of like a expansive connecting feeling, as opposed to a ruminative um, eye-focused feeling, like, yeah, I, actually I heard (laughs) uh, during a Dharma talk this story that really stuck with me. This, um, this Dharma teacher, she was, um had to take some medication and this medication was making her feel nauseous but she needed to take it she's like okay well I guess I'm going to be nauseous and as it happened um, she was telling the story in the role of, of a teacher but she was describing a time when she wasn't a teacher she was a, a meditation student and she went on retreat with a lot of nausea and she said her whole retreat was about nausea and like keeping an eye uh, Keeping clear, like okay, where's the nearest exit just in case I'm going to vomit? Where do I need to go? And you know, this real, this terrible feeling, days and days of nausea. And I don't know if you guys have had this has happened to you, but sometimes when you meditate, right, things just can get bigger and bigger and bigger. And so she said that she rem- remembered this idea of common humanity, and started thinking about oh, all these pregnant women who have morning sickness. Right? Just kind of connect with them. All these people that are on a boat and have motion sickness, connect with them. Somehow this idea of just, you know, connecting with others, getting out of this, oh, me, me and my nausea, was really kind of like transformative for her. And So sometimes from, this can just be really helpful to just think like, oh yeah, There's lots of other people that have these experiences too. Kind of make it be a little bit bigger. Connect with them. So that can be like the yin side of, uh, of common humanity. Kind of like the, maybe the yang, more active side is to stand together with other who have been, experience of being harmed in the same way. Maybe an obvious um, way that that kind of happened, maybe like the Me Too movement that happened recently is people finding some strength in bonding with others who have been harmed. This common humanity, like there's strength in numbers. So this befriending ourselves may require a certain amount of compassion, because we may have like kind of disconnected or compartmentalized aspects of ourselves, but befriending is about bringing kind of this unconditional love to ourselves. And discovering those little parts of ourselves that maybe are are hidden or not so obvious. And self-compassion can help with this mindfulness, self-kindness and connecting with others common humanity but befriending ourselves helps us connect with others too maybe this won't be a surprise in fact um, compassion cultivation training which is an eight week compassion course that's taught out of Stanford they have a whole session on this about self-compassion They've kind of recognized that in order to kind of help cultivate compassion, really is kind of like foundational to have compassion for oneself as well. So they um, have this, they teach uh, um, Kristin Neff's uh, self-compassion, and they talk about self-kindness and how to take care of oneself and self-care as a way to cultivate compassion and support compassion. So we need a compassion for ourselves and compassion for others to kind of have a, lift, a, a rich, full life. It doesn't matter where we start. You can start with having compassion for others and that may support having compassion for oneself because eventually uh, compassion grows and grows and grows until it includes everybody, including ourselves. Maybe we start with ourselves and that grows and grows and grows and includes everyone. But there's a recognition that connecting with our own feelings, connecting with what's happening with ourselves, and relating to them with compassion, instead of with this self-criticism or self-blame, is the basis for developing compassion. Maybe the way that we can have a compassionate stance towards ourselves is a way that we can have a compassionate stance towards others. Just as we recognize, oh yeah, sometimes I have bad days too can help us have compassion for others. And maybe we need to learn and practice, cultivate and develop to have feelings of warmth, appreciation, joy and gratitude, care. Maybe it's something that we can grow and cultivate and develop. We could do that for ourselves or for others. Whichever domain in which we learn it will help in the other domain. And then we begin to see that there's actually no difference between self and others. But befriending ourselves helps us to have compassion for others. But it also helps address our loneliness. Sometimes we might have feelings of loneliness. Kind of this uh, perceived sense of social isolation. So loneliness is this feeling um, of being alone. <laughs> but it's not necessarily about the quantity of friends or the quality of friends. Actually, loneliness is the gap between the relationships we have and the relationships we wish we had. And different times in our lives, we may have um, lots and lots of friends. This often happens when people are young and in school or, you know, just still children or developing, they have lots and lots of friends, but they may not be uh, have a lot of depth to them. And it's... Um, it's true that as people age they have less friends but there may be some more depth to them the quality changes but however many or whatever the quality is it's that gap of feeling like oh it's not what i wish for myself and what we wish for ourselves may is often dependent on what we think is normal we may feel like I should have friends, or something's wrong with me if I don't have friends. Or That's not the only element, but it may be this uh, idea of what we think that having friends is about, or what we should, what this feeling of what, how things should be. So if we don't befriend ourselves, if we don't have compassion for ourselves, This is associated with feelings of loneliness, feelings of being isolated, being separate. Many of us withdraw into ourselves when our systems get overwhelmed, when our systems get overwhelmed with whatever emotions or difficulties we might be experiencing. And this kind of withdrawing to ourselves might de-escalate the feelings but it also disconnects us and leads to isolation. So whereas it might kind of like temper down the overwhelm, it's one way, but it often kind of withdrawing doesn't help us to transform or find new ways or to find closure maybe that's needed. So instead of changing a painful pattern we might have. A withdrawal may just reinforce it. We may just kind of withdraw, close in, and then get stuck. So to be sure, withdrawal may be the wise thing to do when we're feeling overwhelmed or things are really painful. It may be the right thing to do. The problems only arise if that's the way, if we're withdrawing, as though are always the way that we are Responding to when emotions get painful or difficult. If that's our habit and that's the only way that we do. Or if we can't somehow find our way to connect again after withdrawing. So it's something that as we, perhaps with meditation, as our minds start to settle, we start to see aspects of ourselves We start to see layers and layers of uh, ideas about ourselves, habits about ourselves. We can practice compassion, we can learn acceptance, and maybe some appreciation. That starts to come up too in meditation. As we kind of soften the self-preoccupation, the self-absorption, that can happen with meditation is we start to notice like, oh yeah, okay, here's this thought pattern again. We stop to take it so personally and start to just see, oh yeah, okay, this is what minds do. This softening of uh, self-preoccupation. We can start to see some of the other things, start to appreciate ourselves, maybe have gratitude for ourselves. And with this greater appreciation for ourselves also helps us to have connection with others. Maybe withstand some of the, maybe we're a shy person. Maybe to reach out or reconnect if we've withdrawn or isolated ourselves as a way to take care of ourselves. So there's no particular end point to the process of making friends with ourselves. And one might even say that this Buddhist practice to greater and greater freedom, greater and greater ease, peace, is a process of befriending ourselves. Inviting more and more aspects. Okay, yes, this Jew. This Jew. This Jew I can be with, I can accept, I can appreciate more and more and more. So much so that it stops being a self that has to be befriended. Instead it's just everything. Everything that gets folded in, everything that forgets that we're with, or maybe there's just simply a certain type of acceptance. Yes, this is how it is. So this process unfolds naturally. From this, from when we first sit down to meditate, there comes um, a knowing. some of these knowing things are comfortable and some of them are uncomfortable. And with practice, there comes acceptance Maybe there's greater familiarity like, oh yeah, this is is what happens when, if I eat too much and there's a lot of drowsiness. (laughs) This is what happens if I, the traffic's terrible and I think I'm gonna be late and I'm driving really fast to get here. So from knowing comes acceptance and from acceptance comes love, care. Warmth. And this love can be the basis for more and more freedom. More and more love. And in the same way that love is a letting go of wishing things were different, this path in the same way is letting go, of wishing things were different and instead being with what is. So maybe I'll stop here. just say that this was um, during the series on connection was quite meaningful for me to think about the importance of connecting with others and for me I've reflected on how much gratitude I have for those relationships I've had and maybe some of them need more care and, and to connect with reminded how I used to be so disconnected from myself, and this process has been really about kind of connecting, a type of kind of coming home. Maybe we'll just sit for a minute or two here. Maybe I'll end with a wish that you all find many more ways to connect than the ways that I've talked about in these series. There's lots of ways.